0: If you have your Bibles, would you open with me to John chapter 7. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this season that we're in right now. Lord, you're, you're leading us to a place of consecration, a place, Lord God, where we are drawing nearer to you. We are focusing more deeply on you, Lord. We're even denying ourselves, uh, Lord God, to spend more time focusing on you. I pray right now, Lord God, that you would meet us. Uh, with a word from heaven, Lord God, that your presence, Lord God, would be, uh, Lord, just made known in this place, in every heart and in every life. Lord God, we reach for you today, Lord God. Lord, I just pray that today's message will be stirring for us, Lord God, that Holy Spirit, you would speak through the words, through everything that's said, and you would draw us to yourself. You convict our hearts not to make us feel bad, but to convince us of this one thing, Lord God, that you'd have us to know today. Lord God, we just look to you and we ask you to move. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. During this series, we are... uh taking time and prayer and fasting to kick off the new year. We're doing something a bit new and a little different as a church. We've often, for as many years back as I can remember, we have taken the first three days of the year and we have set them aside for prayer and fasting. And this year I've felt the Lord drawing us to go deeper into a season of prayer and fasting. So it's 21 days, three weeks of prayer and fasting. And during that time, the Lord is meeting us. I, I really was worried for you for today's message because I didn't know what... Pastor Chris, you were going to get after one week of this. Uh, and so I said, wow, uh, I might be really grumpy. I might be really aggravated. Can I tell you the truth that I feel clearer? Can I tell you that I just sense the Lord uh, is speaking beginning, but here's what I told Mandy as we were praying here. I think he's just getting ready. He's just getting started. I really think the second week as we enter in, as we continue to press in, um, God's just moving. He's working. So I would encourage you, uh, stay focused, stay dedicated to uh, whatever it is that you've committed to before. Lord, if you're just joining us and you're new, um, you could stop out in the foyer. If you'd want to take part in this, you feel something drawing you, uh, jump right in. I mean, stop out there. We have some resources. We have printouts. You can go to EvangelChurch.com. We have a link there for hunger and thirst. Just click on it. You can find all the resources you need the daily devotionals that are coming across. uh, I think 500 plus of you are a part of those uh, and seeing them. I'm so appreciative for our pastors, our staff, our leaders who are writing those and submitting them each day. I hope that they're blessing you and the Lord speaking to you. Uh, This is a journey we're taking together as a church. And as we draw near to God collectively, God's going to do something amazing in us and through us individually and collectively. So get ready um, and lean in to it and jump in if you're if you're just uh, joining us for the first time here Uh, as we go through this season i want to give you a couple of practical things that you need to be aware of Um, when you make a decision to draw near from to God there are a lot of benefits of that and we talked about some of those last weekend and just God promises he's drawing near to us as well but I want to tell you it doesn't come without obstacles uh, there will be challenges some of you you have felt so distracted this week you have set things I've heard heard so many of you, you set things on your calendar there has been delays and and difficulties and those things that you said on your calendar are about you getting closer to God getting into his presence coming to worship coming last Tuesday night I can't tell you how many people were like man I was on my way and it's like kind of just got stopped or derailed or detoured um i want you to know we have a very real enemy and he's working overtime to distract you to keep you away from pressing into god you know why because um just as when jesus walked throughout his ministry he would enter into certain places and those that were oppressed by satan and by by demonic forces they would be in to cry out you know why because they're so threatened by the presence of jesus i want you to know um, that we're in a very real war the bible talks about our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, Uh, it's against principalities, powers, and I want you to know that the struggle is real. I want you to know these aren't just coincidences that are distracting you, frustrating you, the fight you had, whatever it is that you're walking through. I want you to know as you're drawing near to God, No, there there might be a lot of obstacles. Persevere. Press through. Don't give up. Keep pressing into God. Um, Don't be discouraged. Don't feel condemned. Just keep making it a priority to focus on God during this season and watch how the Lord's going to meet you in a special way. Um, That's what he's doing during this time. Um, And We'll see his hand. We'll see his provision. We'll see his abundance uh, as as we do that. This series is about realigning our appetites, really. Hunger and thirst. The Bible says if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus said, blessed are those who do it, for they will be filled. And I want to have a life that's filled. Isn't it interesting that we would actually go through a season where we would feel hungry, or, or we are literally emptying ourselves in a way? But he said, in that process of drawing near, and you turn your hunger and thirst towards me, You'll be filled in a way you've never been filled before. You'll be sustained in a way that you've never been sustained before. You'll be strengthened from heaven, from my word, from my nourishment that I could bring you. It's beautiful what God can do. But there is a, uh, there's a a popular phrase that I want to talk to you about today, and the Lord drew me back to the mid-90s, so it's a little bit of throwback for some of you, but as there are all these different drinks and soda companies that are uh, competing for the attention of America and each one wants you to conv- be convinced why you need to buy that off the shelf and you need to drink that, whatever it might be, there are different catchphrases that started coming up and popping up over the last couple decades, and whenever you hear that phrase, you then begin to associate that phrase with um, that drink. And so it makes you want to reach for it. Are you with me? Um, as, we, as we think about that, there is one in particular that I've been thinking about all week as I've been looking at God's word. Every time I'd see some of these phrases and scriptures come to, to, uh, to the surface, I thought, wow, that marketing campaign really worked uh, back there in the 90s because it's still working today. And I'm still thinking about that when I use these words. It has to do with the word thirst. I want to tell you one phrase it's three words obey your thirst. How many knew what I was talking about before you saw that up there, right? Obey your thirst, Sprite. Man, they came up with this idea to say, man, when you're thirsty, reach for a Sprite. When you're thirsty, reach for it. Obey your thirst. You could hear, ah, right? How many of you just want to go and just have a Sprite right now? Ah. I got like five cans of it in my, in my office. I'm selling them for $30 a piece after service. Uh, so this is uh, a product placement. No, um... But when you think about that, it's kind of brilliant because millions of dollars have been made off of this statement, maybe more than that. There's something wired into us through this advertisement. When you get thirsty, what you really need to satisfy that thirst is a Sprite. Here's what I will promise you. Go to your doctor tomorrow. Talk to them and say, man, if I'm dehydrated, if I'm really thirsty, what should I reach for? I'm pretty sure they're not going to tell you to go to a Sprite. I'm pretty, pretty positive they're not going to do it. But isn't it interesting how we've equated this with this idea that, man, if I was obeying my thirst when I'm longing, when I'm thirsty, when I'm parched, when I just need something, man, if I keep talking about this, I'm going to need someone to bring me a water. I'm just kidding. I reach for a Sprite. Here's what troubles me that this is a way that the world has kind of conditioned us. I want you to know that in your life, I believe you and I have been conditioned for a long time to believe that we need to reach for all the wrong things to satisfy the thirst that is within us. And I think we have developed habits, spiritual habits, to reach for the wrong things thinking they will satisfy us when they will only dehydrate us, defeat us, and even deplete us of what we so need in us. This is a spiritual problem. It's not just an issue of advertising. It's not just a a thing about calories or about sugars or about carbonation. It's not about any of that. It's a spiritual condition of the heart that God has a lot to say about in his word. In fact, if you look in Jeremiah chapter 2, there is a word that comes from God where he begins to speak to his people. And he says that there's these two evils that have happened. And he talks about them in, in particular in verse 13. He says, for my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, turned from me, the fountain of living water. And they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Now what a cistern is, is a place where there isn't any flowing or running water. They would build these cisterns and they would normally be clay or they'd have some kind of finish to them. And you could have water, it could be collecting rainwater or you can uh, somehow get water into there. And it would hold the water for you. It will protect it so you can go back and you can draw from that. Now that's stagnant water and it can have a lot of challenges with it, but it would normally help for people. But when he talked about the idea that you have dug for yourselves cracked cisterns, if a cistern becomes cracked, it's completely compromised. Uh, It's just completely compromised. Either all the water floods out of it and there's nothing in it, or it's susceptible to some of the groundwater that can become even worse for them if someone ingests it. So there's a lot of problems with a cracked cistern. And what God is saying is you've turned away from me the fountain of living water, flowing, life-giving, and you're trying to obey your thirst with a cracked cistern. This is a word that comes out to each one of us, and during this season of prayer and fasting, I want you to know that some of you have entered into it, and just as we talked about last week, there are deep prayers in your hearts, deep things you're asking God to do, asking God to disclose, asking God to move in, and I want you to know the very first thing God is going to change when you draw near to him is you. I just believe that's his greatest desire. Oftentimes we want him to change everything else, but he changes us first. It doesn't mean he won't work in any of those things, but often there's a deep work he wants to do in us. And as we draw near, he's going to take full opportunity to do whatever he desires to do in us and through us. And so this is what he's doing. He's speaking to our hearts saying, what are you turning to? What are you reaching for? We reach for things because we become desperate. We reach for things because of stress, because of difficulties, because of challenges and circumstances. We reach for all these things. And I want you to know, oftentimes we're reaching for all the wrong things. I was reminded this week, uh, actually yesterday, uh, it, it really connected to what I want to talk to you about for just a moment, because in Hawaii, there was this alarm that went off. Did everyone hear about this? They thought there was a missile that was coming. And I mean, could you imagine for those 45 minutes, what it would have been like for families there, just figuring out what to do in in, in Hawaii and ties into Hans. Hans, you're from Hawaii uh, uh, originally. And back in 1945, I think back to World War II, and I think about Pearl Harbor and all these, all these things that transpired in just this deadly war, this bloody war that took place. So many lives were lost. I want to talk to you about a few of the lives that were lost during that time. On July 30th, 1945, the battle cruiser, the USS Indianapolis, here's a picture of it on the screen. It was returning from a mission where they were delivering supplies to allied forces out in the Pacific, but they never made it home because they were hit with a torpedo. And while they were hit with that torpedo, instantly um, the ship went down. In a series of about 12 minutes, the whole thing was at the bottom of the ocean. Instantly, 300 of the 1,200 people on board died. This left over 900 people, right around 900 that were stuck in the water. And it was there that they would have to endure four days and five nights of being out in the Pacific with the hot sun beating down on them of that, 900 people, only 316 of them ended up surviving because of the lack of water and, scary enough, because of the sharks that are in those waters. So between these two, if you could just imagine the kind of the trauma of what's going on, the desperation of this hour. I mean, there's just a picture of just kind of chaos and the people are just trying to survive One of the men who survived was the chief medical officer. Now, if you're going to have this kind of traumatic thing take place and you're going to be stranded out at sea, I mean, the best person to be out there with you is the chief medical officer that's been entrusted to all 1,200 of these people. And he survived, but he writes this heart-gripping report of what happened during that time. And I want to just read that to you for just a few moments. Here's what he said. He said, there was nothing that I could do, nothing at all that I could do for the people, but to try to give them advice, to bury the dead at sea, to try to save the life jackets, and to try to keep the men of all things from drinking the water. When the hot sun came out, they could see the crystal ocean out in front of them and they were so thirsty. You couldn't believe that it wasn't good enough to drink. I had a hard time convincing men they shouldn't drink the salt water the real young ones, you take away their hope, you take away their water, you take away their food, and so they would just end up drinking the salt water and they would die quickly. I could remember striking them, hitting them, the ones who were drinking the salt water, trying to stop them because they would only get more dehydrated. And as they became dehydrated, they became maniacal. They became massively hallucinating. There were mass hallucinations. I was amazed that the people even began seeing the same thing. One man would see something and everyone else would begin to say they saw it as well. Even I had to fight back the hallucinations off and on. It was a terrible time. Many were lost. This is a report from someone who could see things differently than everyone else was seeing it could you imagine being there in that place where they look out around them i mean they're stranded they're they're struggling to survive and they need something so deeply they they're thirsty I want you to know your body has these mechanisms that are created by the author of life. The Lord himself has created in us this ability to hunger and this ability to thirst. And it's a trigger to remind us of the need for nourishment in our bodies, the need for strengthening what we need to sustain us. If we didn't have that, we could potentially go prolonged periods of times and hurt ourselves. But this hunger triggers to reach for something that will satisfy us. And these men become so thirsty and everything that's around them looks so appealing to them and looks like it'll do exactly what they need. And so they begin to take it and they have no idea that what they think is helping them is killing them. What they think is fulfilling them is dehydrating them. I want you to know this is a scary picture. I know it's intense. I know it's a lot to think about, even to take in. But I want you to know this is a spiritual picture of what happens in this world. I want you to know that as you and I walk through this life, there are things that are all around us and they look so appealing, so right, so satisfying, but I want you to know many of them, if that's what you're reaching for, to really feed the deep thirst that is within you, it will never satisfy you, it will dehydrate you, it'll change the way you see, and it will steal your life from you but there's one that came. There's one that knew something and he reaches out and he even begins to strike and hit and say, no, you don't understand. This isn't helping anything. This won't be the way. Oh, Lord, would you speak to us from your word? Oh, Holy Spirit, would you in the same way come and just show us those areas that we're reaching for things that are depleting us? Our, our thirst is driving us to places that will never help us or satisfy us or fulfill us, Lord God. Would you redirect us today, Lord God, to your heart and to your way in Jesus' name? It's Psalm 63, 1. Psalmist says it like this. It's a picture of almost like what I had described to you. He said, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I mean, it speaks to kind of a wilderness. It speaks to a place where we don't have what we need. And many of us, we come to those places that we realize something just isn't quite right. We're lacking something. We are in need of something. And the best way that the, the author could equate it and the way that God continues to use over time is this idea of thirsting. We're thirsting for something. Thirsting for something will really satisfy us, that will keep us, that will hold us. If we're lacking what god has for us his presence his best i want you to know it's like our our hearts are spiritually dehydrated we're parched and we don't have what we need now let's take a look briefly here at, at john chapter 7 in john chapter 7 we come to this point in time that really connects back to what i just read in psalm 63 about this dry and weary land in john chapter 7 there's a moment in time where the Jewish people are all taking part in a feast. There were many feasts that the Jewish people took part in. It was a time of remembering, a time of celebrating, a time of turning back to God. And these feasts were to commemorate things. It was for them to be reminded of God's faithfulness. I said in first service, I'll say it again. Man, I think we need to get back to the point of some feasts as a, as a people of God. That's probably the fasting talking right now. But... I'm telling you that there's something beautiful about setting apart a period of time and looking back to God's promises and his faithfulness and saying, God has been so faithful. God has met this so much. That's why we get so excited when we show a video like you just saw. It's like, we just need to be reminded that this is the God who heals. We just need to be reminded again and again and again, he's the God who delivers us. He's the God who rescues us out of bondage. He's the God who sustains us. So there's these different feasts or festivals that are established so that people would always remember God's faithfulness. And one of them was the feast of tabernacles. And this was a feast that really commemorated the wilderness journey that the Israelites went on for 40 years in the wilderness where they lived in tents or tabernacles uh, and they were there and they had no food and they had no water. But guess what? They continued to live and not die. Why? Because God showed them, even when they thought they lacked everything, he was their everything. Even when they thought they could not even eat, God rained down bread from heaven. When they had nothing to drink, he brought water out of a rock. To sustain them. God showed them he is all that they ever need. Sometimes when we go without, and we go through those desert seasons, God will prove to you over and over and over again that what you thought you needed isn't what you needed. He is what you needed all along. He is your everything. He became their everything in that season. They realized it. Some didn't. They continued to turn from him. But it's in that time that the Jewish people continued to go back and remember God's faithfulness. And it was there as a part of that festival on the last and greatest day that they would take out this big bull and they would fill it up with water from the pool of Siloam, and they would then carry it among the people, and they would walk, and as they walked up and down the processionals of people, they would begin to say this phrase over and over again, with joy we will draw water from the wells of salvation. With joy we will draw water from the wells of salvation. See, this festival was all about them remembering how God sustained them. He sustained them with bread, and he sustained them with water. And it's there at the end there that they begin to just call upon this promise, this prophecy that God spoke of in in Isaiah chapter 12, where it says this, It's surely God is my salvation, and I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, he is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation, and with joy we will draw water from the wells of salvation. So they would walk, and they would do this, and they would walk down, and they would pour all the water on the altar. This was a symbolic act, kind of remembering God provides, but they were longing for a a different kind of water. They were thirsty for something deeper, something greater. And they're not talking about, Lord, just give us some water. We just want a little bit of water from a well. Lord, we want the waters of salvation, Lord God. We want, Lord God, your supernatural presence to touch and change us and satisfy us in our deepest places. Lord, that's what we long for. Water from the wells of salvation. And so they would blast trumpets and they would sing and this this would all happen on the the last and greatest day of it. And they would, they would go through this process. Here's what the Bible says in John chapter seven, that on that day, as all this happening, perhaps it's just happened. We don't have the timing on the last and greatest day of the festival. Let's take a look here in verse 37. Jesus stood up and he said with a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And he said, if you do this, Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. And as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Jesus begins to take hold of this promise, this hope, this longing, this thirst that's in them, and he turns it to himself. I want you to know, Jesus has this way when he comes in contact with people who are thirsty to reorient that thirst towards himself. And he said, in that longing, in that thirst, you will only be satisfied in me. So he says it right here in John chapter 7, if you're thirsty, come to me. And he said, what's going to happen can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit and the living water he was speaking of was the presence of the Holy Spirit that would be poured out on his people that would satisfy them, that that would lead them, guide them, empower them, fill them. But this isn't the only place Jesus talks about this. This is a common theme that he continually comes to again and again. And I want to explore this for a few moments with you. If you go back with me a few chapters to chapter four of John's Gospel, i never have seen this before. I didn't even say this to the, to the first service, so you're getting some extra stuff here. You ready for this? There are four instances in these four, in John four. John, Jesus talks about this idea that the water they're searching for, they can't, you can't find the satisfaction you need. He then does it again in John 5 with the man at the pool of Bethesda a couple weeks ago. it's like, I'm longing to get in that pool. I need that water. Jesus, said, no, you don't need that water. You need the living water that only comes from me. That will heal you and restore you. In John 6, we'll see in a little bit, Jesus said, you come to me and believe in me, you'll never be thirsty again. In John 7, he said what we just read. Do you think Jesus has a theme? He says something he wants to get into our hearts, that if you're thirsty, come to him. Don't reach for anything else. Don't reach for anyone else. So, in John chapter 4, we see a woman who's thirsty. She's longing, she's desperate, and she keeps coming back to the same well over and over again. And it seems like she's caught in a couple patterns. It isn't just that she has to keep coming to this well every day, but she's been caught in some cycles that do not seem healthy, that don't seem good, that don't seem right. Um, She's caught in a cycle of being with these different husbands. She's had five husbands. The Bible tells us, and she's living with someone who's not even her husband. And so there's a lot going on behind the scene, a lot that it seems that she's trying to kind of keep under the surface and trying to manage, but it's not working out very well. We find in John 4... The Bible is specific about the timing of when Jesus shows up at this well. It was at a time when no one should ever be at a well because it's the hottest part of the day. And if you've ever been to any third world country, or any place where people are walking to get water, you know that you don't go at the hottest part of the day. You go at the cool parts of the day to fetch water. It's just it's just foolish to have to go any other time. And Why would you put that extra burden on yourself? Well, if you didn't want to see anyone, then you do it. If you didn't want to be around anyone, if you didn't want to be noticed, uh, if you had any anything you were hiding or any shame that you were feeling, and you want to go there when you know no one else will be there. Some of us know what that feels like, that we don't want to be found. We don't want anyone to see us. We don't want anyone to notice us. Here's what I want you to know. If you find yourself in that time, often here's what you'll realize. Even when you're where no one would ever notice you, Jesus is there. And God will notice you and God sees you, and it might be even there that you're eligible for a divine appointment with him. So this is what we learn here. They have this encounter. They begin to talk. This woman begins to talk to Jesus, and as they're talking, he asks her for a drink. It's really a question that he's trying to strike up conversation. The woman shoots back at him and says, why are you asking me for a drink? You're a Jewish man. I'm a Samaritan woman. We shouldn't be talking to each other. And Jesus said, wrong answer. Verse 10. He said to her, if you knew the gift of God and you knew who it was that's asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And she's like, what? Verse 11, she's like, you have nothing to draw from and this well is deep. Where are you going to get some living water from? She said, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well, who drank from this well, whose flocks and sons and everything took part in this? Like, you really think you're greater than him? Where do we get this living water? Jesus said to her, in verse 13, something we all need to realize. When we look at the the cracked cisterns and we look at the, the salt water pools, we look at these places that will never satisfy us but are very appealing that we keep returning to, Jesus' word is the same for all of them. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Jesus says, everyone who drinks from this is going to be thirsty again. Everyone who comes here and tries to find fulfillment won't quite find it. You're always going to have to keep returning. You'll never find that it's enough. But he said in verse 14, but whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst indeed the water i give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus was offering something a little different than some nice pool and spring water. Are you with me? He was offering something greater than she could have ever imagined. In this moment, he thought she thought he had the inside scoop on some kind of spring, some kind of something. And Jesus said, "No, we're talking we're not talking about a physical thirst here we're talking about a spiritual condition. He begins to say, this is this is the fulfillment of everything the people had hoped for. This is the fulfillment of everything people had longed for. I can give you something that will fill you in a way where you don't have to keep going back to empty wells, broken cisterns, to places that are depleting you. You don't have to keep running back to that anymore, because what I can provide for you can satisfy the longings of your heart. It can change everything. This is the promise of Jesus. And so he speaks this to her. And in that moment, she said, sir, I want you to give me this water. I don't want to be thirsty anymore. I don't want to keep coming here to draw water. This woman, it was a burden to carry this water. It was a burden to keep coming back again and again and again. She had to carry a bucket. But I think also on a deeper level, man, what she'd been carrying in her life, Many of us, we walk through this life, we carry so many burdens. We're walking with it, we're not satisfied, we're reaching for other things. They're, they're not helping, they're hurting us, they're not drawing us closer to God, they're drawing us away from God, whatever that might be. Man, we long to be satisfied like Jesus talks about. Some of us we go to church, we go through this, but man, we feel dehydrated right now. We feel like we're not, we're not experiencing what Jesus has promised But Jesus promises this, if we let our thirst drive us to him, if we move and go into his presence, if we reach for him, when we go through that thirst, he will satisfy us. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's only then you'll be filled. Psalm 42 verses 1 and 2 says, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. Where can I go to meet with God? When your thirst begins to drive you to Him, Jesus says, I'll receive you, I'll fill you, I will give you the promise of my spirit, my presence flowing in you and through you. It will change everything. You'll never thirst again. If you look in John 6, and Pastor Rick, you can come up at this time. Jesus declares to the people, as He's fed the multitudes, He said, you've had a great meal. You have more than you know what to do with, but here's the truth. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. This meal will get you through today. I can fill you in a way that you'll never be hungry again. He then says, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus continually comes back to reorienting our appetites towards him. These strong words of hunger and thirst, longing. When we allow that longing to drive us to Jesus, he promises to fill us. Here's what I realize, and it's a deep conviction in my heart. Man, we call ourselves believers. We, we walk with all, We come to church. I get all that. But how many areas in our lives are we reaching for the wrong things, thinking they will satisfy our thirst? How many of us have thirsts that are out of control? We're reaching for the counterfeit. We're reaching for the Sprite. I'm sorry, I know I'm convicting someone today. You love Sprite. It's okay. Maybe the Lord has a word for you. Um, You're reaching for that. and It's not going to do any good. It's not going to help. Jesus wants to call you to himself today. If it's not enough just looking there in those moments, we can look ahead in the book of Revelation chapter 22, the Bible says the spirit and the bride say come, let anyone who hears say come, let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life come over and over and over again, Jesus invites us to encounter him, to meet him, to come to him with the deepest longings of our heart and be satisfied in his presence. And I want you to know that during this season, as you've been going through, as you've been pressing in, I want you to know that man, as we learn to hunger and thirst for God in these ways, God is going to meet you in the most powerful, the most beautiful, the most life-changing ways. And today, I want to invite us to stand to our feet right now in God's presence. And I want us just to take a few moments to respond to this word together. Here's what I believe God is saying to us and inviting us into. It's to go deeper in his presence. It's to reach out to him. If you feel dry and depleted, if you have been thirsty, if even as I've been talking, God has been showing you, the Holy Spirit has been nudging you because you're reaching, you're obeying your thirst in all the wrong ways. There are broken cisterns in your life and you keep drawing from them. They're not helping, they're hurting you. They're defeating you, they're depleting you, they're dehydrating your heart. And today maybe you just feel parched. You just don't feel the freshness of God's presence. Would today be the day to hear God's word, to respond, to to just turn to Jesus with everything and to draw near to him. So if that's you, I want you even now as we sing this final song to just come to these altars, make this a place to tap into God, make this a place to receive from the wells of salvation, make this a place where you could ask Jesus to pour out his spirit upon you, and perhaps even today would be a day that you'd be filled with his presence, with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Whatever it is, if today is a day where you know you need a touch from God, you need to experience that freshness, you want to experience this promise alive in your life, just step out of your seats and just come down to this altar, and just make a place to be with the Lord. If you're at your seat, then just kneel down before the Lord, just get in a place alone with God, and would you just turn to Jesus? Would you just cry out to him even right now? Come on, if that's you, just come. I'm gonna just pray for us for just a moment, and then we're gonna go into this final song to just respond to the word today. Lord Jesus, we invite you, Lord, to come now, Lord God. Come quickly. Come speak to our hearts, Lord God. Come satisfy those places, Lord God, where we've been trying to reach for all these other things. Lord, come and show us how things really are, Lord, come reveal to us, Lord, where you want to meet us and where you want to touch us. Lord God, we give you this now. Lord God, we respond to your word. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just begin to press into the Lord. Let's just take time and worship him for these few moments. Please feel free to come to the altar and press in.